We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good morning. Welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, and uh, I am delighted to be doing something a little bit different on a Saturday morning, and that is uh, introducing you to Jake Rusby, who is uh, the author, co-author of a book called Newcastle United, Match of My Life. Good morning, Jake. Morning. How are we doing? Good to see you, mate. And to be honest, this has been a hell of a journey, which um, I've, I've watched with interest. Obviously, try to help you out when you uh, emailed me uh, many moons ago about an idea that you had uh, to produce this book. And there it is. Uh, you've co-authored it with Alex Crook, uh, forward by Rafa Benitez, of course, a, a very good friend of mine while he was up in Newcastle United. And uh, great to see you've got him involved. But um, let's go back to the start. I mean, why why did you want to do this book? How did it come about? So I, uh, it's a long story that I'll try and condense. Um, I used to be a journalist. I was, I was a sports journalist and news journalist on the South Coast. So I used to cover teams like Bournemouth, Portsmouth, Southampton, Brighton. And I worked for a news agency. So we did file a lot of copy for the national papers. Uh, so like covering, doing match reports. Uh, I left that agency about 10 years ago and I, I moved up to, to the Northeast. And recently, one of the uh, the owners of the um, the news agency was a guy called Pat, who was like a journalistic giant, brilliant guy, and he died. And I flew down to Portsmouth for his funeral, and I met up with Alex, who was a co-owner with Pat of this agency. And um, we had a big like big drinking session to celebrate Pat to celebrate Pat's life. And then it was on the plane on the way home. Because um, since I left the agency, Pat and Alex had written a few of these Match of My Life books, but they were all about South Coast clubs. They were all like. Portsmouth, Bournemouth, Southampton. And on the way back, I just thought, oh, Newcastle is just the ideal club for that. We've got such loyal, such a loyal fan base. And at that point, it was after the takeover and everything was so positive. So I just messaged him. I got off the plane, sent him a WhatsApp, and I just said, Quickie, Newcastle United, match of my life. What do you reckon? And he was like, love it. And he, he messaged the publisher. And the publisher, says, publisher said, yeah, as long as you can get the players, as long as you can get you know, your Shearers, your Ferdinands, we're in. And that was it. And so the journey began just about a year ago. Amazing. Amazing, uh, to, you know, just to come up with that kind of idea to do it. And um, 
the players, I mean, getting the players, we, 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 you know, we exchanged emails. I, I, I did my best, but I mean, it, it is difficult, isn't it, to, to get in contact with players for starters, especially modern day players. Mm. Yeah, it was. It helped that. So Alex, uh, some people might know his name. He's a he works on Talksport, so he uh, he still commentates on games. He went to Qatar, did the World Cup, which was amazing for him, and uh, he still does games now. Uh, for them and so he had a few contacts which was great so he he had a couple of players to start with that we kind of got the ball rolling with and once you get a couple on board it becomes a lot easier and as you said you you know you good stuff you helped me out and um google was my friend as well i had to do a lot of journalistic digging to try and find uh agents contacts and things like that and had to you know always case of dming them twitter and instagram or whatever and the thing is when you do that uh it seems a lot less professional and a few players but just i think kind of saw the message and were a bit like i'll leave that <laughs> uh, but then as you said as you get more players involved it becomes a lot easier and once we had i think we started off with warren barton was our first one who alex had a contact for uh, and then i believe it was your good self who helped um you put me in contact with an agent or uh, a few players and uh, I think a player sent me to their agent and then that agent helped me with Ferdinand, got Les Ferdinand on and then it just it just snowballed from there, really. And we ended up with uh, 20, 21 players sort of spanning you know, 50 years of, of Newcastle United. And it's been just a, a real magical journey for me as a football fan to, to, to be able to get involved with that. So let's start with Rafa Benitez. Um, you know, R Rafa Benitez, of course, uh, was Newcastle United manager uh, when you know Mike Ashley was the owner, and of course, Mike Ashley not uh, not very popular on Townside, uh, and that's probably an understatement. But uh, he brought Rafa in, and that was probably one of his better decisions uh, because Rafa came in. He you know he, he couldn't keep Newcastle up, but he got them straight back into the Premier League at the first time of asking, and he gave us probably for the first time a bit of stability and gave Newcastle United. Uh, an opportunity to to stay in the Premier League, which which was great. Um, ultimately, the relationship was always doomed. Rafa very good at playing the politics and and getting the fans on side. Mike Ashley, of course, not a fan's favourite. It was never going to end happily. But um, getting him to do the forward, I think is I think is a great move. I mean, you know, I, I know some Newcastle fans didn't like his style of football as opposed to Eddie Howe footballs. Um, you know, football team. Uh, players, but um, yeah, why Rafa for, for the forward? Um, so we wanted to get a manager involved, an ex-manager, and uh, I, I, I did approach Kevin Keegan. Uh, I managed to get a contact for him, and it wasn't something he was interested in doing, which is completely his prerogative. And he was really, really straightforward about it, really polite about it, and said, "Fine, that's no problem at all." So I, I kind of Alex and I put our heads together and said, oh, "It'd be great to get Rafa," because even though some fans didn't like his style so much. There was nothing, there was no personal animosity towards him, as far as I can see. I've never spoken to a fan who didn't like him as a person. Um, he always, always wanted the best for the club. He did, his, he did his best for the club. And so I just thought, oh, it'd be great to get him, you know, Champions League winning manager, uh, good guy, straight down the line. And, and so I found contact details for his agent. And I speak a bit of Spanish, thanks to secondary school A-level. And so I emailed... I emailed his his agent in Spanish. It took me a while to compose that email, and I got something back from him saying, in Spanish, um, "This sounds okay. Uh, give me a few more details." So I gave him a few more details, and he said, "Okay, I'll put this to Rafa, and we'll see." And then it was the, it was the following day. I was just in my uh, spare room, comes sort of office, 
and I was just procrastinating. I think I was on Facebook putting a post on about the book or something, and my phone rang and it was a withheld number, and I picked it up, and it was it was Rafa. Uh, I was I was and, you know you just completely I was completely weirded out by it, just sort of being sat there, and all of a sudden Rafa Benitez has called me up, and he just said, "Can we do the interview now, please?" So I said, uh, "Yes, okay," <laughs> and we just did it there and then. And uh, he spoke to me for about an hour. Was really candid was very, very honest about his relationship with Mike Ashley and was very, very honest about um, just about his time at the club. And and it was really, it was quite an emotional conversation because he did talk to me about a few of the games that he remembered. And the one that stuck with him was the 5-1 win against Spurs when uh, when United got relegated. But I remember, it, I remember it at the time and there was a lot of talk about will he stay, will he go? And he stayed. And he, and he came out and said that it was... It was the fans. It was that day. It was this support that he received on the final day of the season that made him stay when the club got relegated. And I just thought it was brilliant. I just thought that for for, for a manager to be ruled by his heart like that, you know, it wasn't a case of money. You know, he could have gone anywhere probably, but he wanted to stay because he felt loved. And I just absolutely loved it. I just loved talking to him about it. And he was he was just fantastic. What 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 a really really down to earth nice guy. Yeah, top man, and that game does stand out for, for fans as well. I mean, it, it was crazy. Newcastle United relegated. Um, you know, they often say the pressure's up. Uh, Spurs, Champions League, um, you know, uh, you know, it places. And, and Newcastle tore them apart, uh, absolutely tore them apart. So uh, mm. no no surprise to hear that, um, you know, that was a game that Rafa will, will always remember. Uh, you say Warren Barton um, was, was one of the first. I presume you that was one of your first, wasn't it? It was, my, it was my very first. So I did the very first interview for the book. But yeah, it was Warren. So we did um, we did a Zoom call from, he was over in the States. And again, he was just, the, the thing is what I really, what I've discovered with this book is that I've been talking to my friends about it, you know, huge Newcastle fans. Like, How was it? How did you feel interviewing these guys? And it, it, you all know yourself, Steve. Just It's just, they're just ordinary guys. They're ordinary yeah. guys who play football most of the time. You know, not prima donnas, especially, especially people like Warren Barton. He was just straight down the line and, again, full of great stories, full of love for the club, for the fans. And it was just a really enjoyable chat between two North Londoners, actually, because, you know, we're both, we're both from the same 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 part of the country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he told me, lots of lot, again, lots of good stories about, uh, you know, signing for the club. And, you know, he was very, very close to signing for Arsenal. He was a boy, boyhood Arsenal fan, very close to signing for them. And uh, decided when he met with Kevin Keegan, that was it. He was going to sign for Newcastle instead. He told me about when he first saw David Ginola. Uh, he and Les Ferdinand were having breakfast in the hotel. And this sort of silhouette of this long-haired kind of godlike figure descending upon the restaurant. And they were like, who is that guy? You know, cigarette hanging out of his mouth, shirt half open. So he just, yeah, he was, he was brilliant. Really, really vivid memories of, of his time with the club. Great guy. Fantastic. Uh, those of you who are interested in the Ryder Cup, by the way, Europe have just got another point on the board. America have got their first win. Um, but uh, yeah, McElroy uh, and Fleetwood have finally tied that up. So uh, one more game to finish uh, in the foursomes this morning. Fascinating that. In, uh, Europe winning eight and a half, two and a half to uh, USA, which is uh, fantastic. So who was the second player you interviewed, uh, Jake? It was Celez. Um Again, just what a lovely bloke. He, he's, you know, I think. I, his agent um, gave me his, uh, his 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 phone number, and this is when he was still at QPR, director of football. And 
I just sent him a WhatsApp message, a bit of spiel about the book. This is what I'd like to do. And Les, I'd love to talk to you for this match of my life book. It's all about Newcastle legends recalling their favourite games. And he just said, yeah, how about five o'clock on Wednesday? Just straight away replied. And and I said, great, perfect. Sent him a Zoom link and that was it. He he just gave me all the time I needed to do it. And you know, even since then, when I've sent him a, look, a link to the book to pre-order it, uh, they're just just saying, telling me that it's available to pre-order or telling, giving him an update for who we've got. He's responded, you know, and I think that a lot of players maybe wouldn't, you know, uh, he, he's just a really straight down the line guy who gave me all the time that I needed when he was in a really high pressure job. I think QPR were really in the doldrums when he was uh, that, at that point and he's since left, but he just couldn't do enough. And again, full of great stories, full of love. And just really, really lovely bloke. He he talked to me about when he came back to Newcastle the first time uh, when he was playing the Spurs, and said that he got a standing ovation from the from the crowd. And he he said he just stood in the centre circle and just broke down. Like he couldn't he couldn't take it all on board. It was just too much for him to have so many people still showing him so much love. And I was just I'm a bit soppy like that. I love things like that. It was just brilliant. <laughs> That's a sentimentality that that's a, you know it, it does you know come across in football. There is a lot of emotion, and uh, people do get attached to areas, and and probably nobody more so than than this man who uh, does his regular podcast on here with Gibbo yeah. uh, on a Thursday night. Super Mac Malcolm McDonald, um, another Londoner who came to the northeast, um, you know, and 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 made a name for himself. Became a, a number nine legend, and. Uh, had it not been for the arrival of Gordon Lee, probably would have stayed at Newcastle and uh, seen his career out. But uh, ended up with the Arsenal. Uh, injury curtailed his career, uh, but uh, he left a lot of happy memories on Tyneside and, and also a rather special one with England. Uh, still the only man to score five goals in an international uh, yep. at Wembley, of course, in the 5-0 win against Cyprus. But uh, Supermac, um, I, I know from being on this show... When I'm hosting the show, I very rarely get a word in when Malcolm's on or Gibble. <laughs> um, I sit back with a smile on my face, Jake, every Thursday and just let the lads talk. Uh, I can imagine it was much the same for you when you were interviewing him for the book. Yeah. What, what was nice about Supermac was I think he was my first one I did in person. Ah, so right. he, I live in North Shields. He lives in North Shields. So we met at a local pub, just had a beer. Uh, but I know what you mean. He He's... he's full of stories um, and obviously I'm, I'm sort of looking for quite specific things with the book and it was about 40 minutes before we got anything usable but that was absolutely fine because he was just he was just he was just talking and telling me these great stories and you know he's got he's full of them absolutely amazing like he told me the first time he met Bobby Robson was when he was asking for his autograph when he was a Fulham fan when he was about eight and uh, then he, he signed for Fulham you know 10 years later and Bobby Robson was sort of, you know, he signed the contracts and everything. And Bobby Robson looked at him and went, oh, I remember you. I remember. So you remembered him from when he signed an auto, when uh, he signed an autograph for him you know, when he was just a little boy. Uh, and again, yeah, full of stories. Uh, his game was the his debut, unsurprisingly, which I'm sure he's spoken to you about the three-two win over Liverpool when you know the, his chant was born. And uh, my favourite story from that was when because he used to have a nap before games. Um, he used to lie on the physio's table and have a little sleep. And uh, just because he was so relaxed, he said, and he obviously went out, he scored three goals, and then Ray Clements clashed into him, knocked him out, and he woke up on the physio bed. And uh, Frank Clark was walking past, and he went, oh, Frank, I've just had the weirdest dream. I scored a hat-trick against Liverpool. And Frank Clark said, his words were, 
Bonnie lad, you did. We won three two. You know, I think it's just <laughs> the fact that he thought, he thought he dreamt the whole thing. I thought that was for me as a former journalist. Obviously, I'm looking for their stories from the games, but what I'm looking for is those little nuggets, those just diamond lines of you know, thought he dreamt the whole thing. Just absolutely brilliant, and some little light bulb goes off in my head when he says that. I'm like, yes, that's what. That's exactly what I need for this. So the, the book is kind of um, peppered with these little these little lines these little nuggets that i'm always kind of keeping my my ears open for and he he was just full of i think each chapter was supposed to be two and a half thousand words and we've got you know 20 21 chapters but malcolm mcdonald's was about twice that because he could just alex quickly just said just let it run jake let it go if it's good just let it go and he just he just story upon story upon story loved it <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's great. Um, and, and Malcolm, of course, will be at Louis Liquor store uh, this afternoon with Gibbo at uh, one o'clock. Uh, you want to get across there to uh, see the pre-match, uh, be there for one. Uh, those two legends will be giving you the giving you the predictions for the Burnley game today. They'll be in after the match as well, would have been a Saturday three o'clock kickoff. Uh, another number nine. Um, Again, I, I mean, I'll be fascinated to, to, to read the book and uh, to hear what this guy's got to say. Um, reason being that the, the Northeast Breakfast Show that I do on uh, Toon Radio, uh, we were discussing the greatest partnerships in the Northeast football scene. So, of course, Sunderland fans were suggesting, you know, Phillips and Quinn and uh, Gabby Adini and Gates. Um, you know, Newcastle fans, though, were, were going down the McDonald Tudor route, the Shearer Ferdinand. But one that I chucked into the mix uh, was Papasisi and Demba Bar because it was probably the most... Well, it was the strangest partnership, one which you never thought would gel again in the Mike Ashley era, a time when you know Newcastle fans, you know, were weren't weren't at the best of fettle. They weren't they weren't enjoying the football. They weren't enjoying the ownership. But uh, Alan Pardew gave us a little bit of sunshine. We didn't completely trust him, but he got us into Europe. And these two uh, played the part along with uh, the likes of Johan Kabay in midfield. But uh, yeah, uh, Papa Cisse. Oh, again, what a, what a good guy. What a lovely man. I spoke to him again about two hours on Zoom and we started talking about uh, the goal, his goal against Chelsea. Although I was quite keen to talk to him about the first goal against Chelsea as well, which was also an absolute screamer. Speaking to him about that and how that made his name. Uh, and again, he was so gushing about the club. He was just so just full of love, full of love saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a Geordie man at heart and all these kinds of things. And brilliant, brilliant storyteller as well. Um, he, he told me when he signed for the club, he's actually talking to Pardew. Every player that I've spoken to who played under Pardew had only good things to say about him, which I think he's got a bit of a um, mixed reputation with Newcastle fans and, and fans of other clubs, Southampton and others. But he is, his man management, from what I can tell from speaking to these players, was second to none. The things that he would, would do for them, the way that he knew them, um, was, he was very, very good with that. Uh, but he, he told me when he signed and he told Alan Pardew asked him uh, what number do you want and he went boss I want the number nine and uh, he was in his office and he said he, I think he had Happy said that he had like a, a member of staff behind him and he went he, want, he wants the number nine and he went wait a minute let me show you something and he got a projector screen down opened his laptop and showed him a, like a compilation video of Alan Shearer goals <laughs> <laughs> and, and Cissé said that he didn't really know who he was and he was like he, I think his words were all of a sudden I'm seeing this guy, bam, goal, bam, goal, bam, goal. And he said he, he closed it. And and uh, Pardew said, he still want the number nine. And he said, oh, boss, I want it even more now. 
And I think that, um, I, I, I love that. And I think Pardew really probably appreciated that. This guy wants to make his name. He wants the pressure of the number nine shirt. So that, that was that was brilliant. I love that, that that story from him. And uh, he talked about Denver. He talked about signing for the club and how he was very close to signing for Bayern Munich, actually, before he came to Newcastle. And uh, they wanted him to sign before the African Cup of Nations. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted to go to the AFCON and help his team. But then he went to the AFCON. Just before he went, he'd signed a pre-contract with Newcastle. Went to the AFCON. He didn't really play. And he said to his um, one of his teammates afterwards, he said, all the goals that I was going to score for my, for my nation, I'm going to score for Newcastle. And obviously, he hit the ground running, didn't he? I think he scored 12 or 13 goals in his like, first 14 games or something like that. I can't remember the exact figures. Yeah. But I love that. And um, we've also got quite an, a quite an emotional part of the book where he talks about Che Tiote because they were, you know, they were best mates. So he he talks about his relationship with him. He talks about finding out when he died and his reaction to that. And so that was really, uh, really eye-opening as well and quite quite an emotional thing to discuss with him. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I mean, that period, uh, you know, the 14-year period in Rashley is one that we look back on and, and just think, you know, thank the Lord we're out of that now. But there were some good players, you know, there, there were some good ones. And, and good to see there's a, another couple that you've interviewed. We'll start with this guy, uh, Jonas Guterres, and um, Spider-Man, as he was known. And I remember when he first signed, we were told about this uh, celebration that he was going to do where he'd be pulling his uh, mask out of his shorts and putting it over his face. And, um, I mean, you know, he, he became a, he became a cult hero uh, amongst the supporters. And, of course, um, that goal um, is synonymous with his time on Tyneside. The fact that he scored the goal that kept us up and uh, the celebration was was slightly different on that occasion. But, uh, but yeah, Jonas, I mean, I, I can imagine the emotion that he must have had because of the way, you know, the way that he left the club. He had a health scare, of course, and then, um, you know, ended up in a, in a, in a, a wrangle with Newcastle United and, and the way that he was kicked out of the club. Not, not, a, not a pleasant end, but a, but a wonderful player and a wonderful story, I'm sure. Yeah, and... It hasn't tainted his. It hasn't tainted his opinion of the club. Obviously, with the hierarchy, he had issues with, but he's still got a lot of love for the club. And for me, Gutierrez was the guy from the start that I really, really wanted to get because, as a football fan, he's just his story. His story transcends football. It's just phenomenal, and it took me so long to get hold of him. I had to go through agents and things like that. And um, I eventually got his hold of his number. And oh no, no, I got his agent's number. And uh, and by that point, I was also in touch with Fabrizio Colaccini, another good guy. I did the interview with Colaccini and said, I'm trying to get hold of Gutierrez and I'm not able to get him. And he's like, really? Get one minute. And he picked up his phone and they're still great mates. And he just messaged him going, speak to this guy. He's, he's fine. But I think... And then I got back in my car and I got a message from Gutierrez just there and then. So Colaccini really helped me out with that. He was such a good guy to talk to again and really open about his health, his health and, and really had a lot of thanks to give to the fans for helping him get through it, the support that they gave and the welcome back that he got and how much he remembers about that. He talked about this again, the Spider-Man celebration. He told me how he came up with that, which I thought was quite cool. He went to the cinema when he was in, when he was playing for Real Mallorca and uh, he went by himself and there was a little boy who got to sign an autograph and he said, can, next time you score, can you do a good celebration? So do something different. And the film that Gutierrez had gone to see was a Spider-Man film. 
so that kind of lodged it in his head and so that's why you know from then on he, he became spider-man uh uh it was yeah he was he was ma- magnificent to talk to and full of like i said full of love for the fans full of love for the club and to talk to him about that goal it's just it's so special isn't it um i bet you've got some incredible memories of that going because that that was it wasn't it for him to come full circle for him to you know get that scare in 2013 and then three three-ish years later he's scoring the goal to keep newcastle up and um he talked about that you know that that celebration as well about how it was basically to the board and how it was kind of well what have you got to say now you still want to sell me kind of thing <laughs> so that was yeah very 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 good interview absolute pleasure to speak to you mentioned Colacini, so we'll, we'll we'll move to him now. Uh, Fabrizio Colacini, uh, one of one of the rare, um, you know, signings under the Ashley era, where he actually spent a, a great deal of money, and um, it was probably Ashley's Ashley's owner. Ashley is the owner. It's probably one of his best buys. It was one of his early buys. Um, he, he had that cult song, which um, I, I won't attempt to sing this morning. Um, I'll keep my voice for this afternoon. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Fabrizio Colacini, another player who in that period at a time you know did, did you know did play well and be, again became a bit of a terrace a terrace hero yeah well he could have easily have left uh when newcastle got relegated the options were there for him but he wanted to pay the fans back he felt like it was his duty to to get them back to where they belonged and that's the same for you know for jonas as well and yes yeah, so again a really really good guy he I tried to get hold of him for ages. He was in, he's in Argentina, so I was trying to set up a Zoom interview. And then one day I got a message saying, oh, Jake, I'm in Newcastle. Do you want to come to my house? It's like, uh, yes, please. I think I will. <laughs> so I went over to his, he's got a house that he rents out in Jesmond and he was renovating it. So I went and chatted to him again, face to face, which makes a big difference to be sat in someone's presence. It, it really it helps. And yeah, he's, he, he, he's more than earned that reputation of being a, you know, a hero on the side twice in the you know pfa uh, team of the year uh so dedication to the club skip at them just you know world-class player in my opinion and uh, a, a world-class guy and the game that he did was the four all versus arsenal which was we, we kind of at the start of this had a list of games that we wanted to get ticked off because there are certain games that you have to have for this book because it is you know each player's got one game but around that, they talk about their time at the club and and other things. So we were desperate to get that four four. So he he was perfect for that. He had a you know great view of Teote's uh, equaliser. Had uh, plenty to say about you know, Joey Barton scored twice that day, and was a, a really really cracking interview actually. Really nice guy. Even though it's a bit bit of a language barrier because you know, uh, English is the second language, but we got there. We got there. Good stuff. Okay, we'll have a quick break. Here's the ad. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. A big thanks to Mr Vicky's Sources Handmade in Cumbria. You can order yours today by emailing info at mrvickies.co.uk or telephoning 01768 210102 or go to the website uk. A big thanks as well to United Group Travel. They are a UK coach holiday firm based in Morpeth. Uh, for just £30 deposit, you can book a trip 
uh, across the UK. Um, there are no strangers on their buses, just friends you haven't met yet. They are taking bookings now for 2024 tours, and you can call them on 01670 632 460 or mobile 0791 4174 or 07957 141654. Big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And a big thanks as well to New Workwear. Uh, you can find them at newworkwear.com. Please subscribe to the channel. All you need to do is hit the subscribe button. It's free. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast providers. If you want to help the channel financially, why not take out a one-off £25 membership? What do you get for your money? You get a scarf, you get a pen, you get a membership card and a cup, and you get entry into the monthly draw. How do you do it? Go to nufcmatters.com. If you've got a smartphone, put your smartphone over this QR code and it will take you straight there. We also support the food bank on this channel. How do we do it? We do it virtually. nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk is the website. If you want to make a virtual donation today, go to that website and you can top up what they collect at the food bank outside the ground. We always advertise events on this channel as well. If you've got an event advertised which has got a Newcastle United theme, please let us know. And even with Frank Clark and John Gibson, takes place at the Irish Centre. Tickets are £15. NUFCmatters.com for your tickets. The Time Theatre and Opera House are holding an event with Keegan, Beardsley and Waddle, the Class of 84, 25th of January, 2024. And you can book now 0844. 249-1000. That's 0844-249-1000. If you go to nufcmatters.com as well, we've got a couple of raffles ongoing. The Alan Shearer signed ball raffle, a pound a ticket. And the Kieran Trippier picture, a pound a ticket for that as well. And once the tickets are sold, the draw will be done. We've also got some T-shirts, which you can buy. The latest one, the latest hot seller is this one. Geordie's on tour. I've never seen a Mackham in Milan t-shirt with all of our Champions League fixtures on the back. Get yourself to nufcmatters.com. Buy one today. And don't forget the Northeast Brecky Show, 7 to 9, Monday to Friday on tuneradio.co.uk. You can also get us on Dab Radio, Smart Speakers, App and Online. And it's a good opportunity to plug two things. First of all, uh, we are teaming up with Raval uh, Restaurant, uh, which is just up the Tyne Bridge in Gateshead for their National Curry Week, 2nd to the 7th of October. Uh, if anybody wants to go and book a curry uh, down there, you just need to go to ravaluk.com um, and you'll enjoy 20% off if you mention NUFC Matters 2023. And on Wednesday, uh, they're uh, opening early for the PSG game, so get yourself down there. Supermac and Gibbo are going to be on, and uh, they are going to be on at uh, 4 o'clock, 4 to 5. Um, and for every Tikka Masala that's bought next week, uh, they will give the cash equivalent to Feeding Families, a charity in Gateshead, which is uh, uh, going to feed local people. So that's uh, a great gesture on their behalf. And it would be uh, wrong of me not to mention this one. Uh, Newcastle United, match of my life. That uh, rings a bell. That's because it's Jake's event. Uh, Lee Clark, David Kelly, Frank Clark, Super Mac, Dan Byrne, Jonas, Les, and Papa Cissé. Friday, the 24th of November, 7.30pm at the Playhouse in Whitley Bay, hosted by Talk Sports, Sam Matterface, 
and Alex Crook. Uh, an audience question and answer. Match of my life book signing. That looks like it's going to be an absolute belter, Jake. Yeah, well, I should make clear that uh, the, uh, the four players on the left are going to be there in person. What we'll do is from... Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get Jonas and the others over. Uh, I think Dan... Dan Byrne currently has a game the following day. <laughs> so we couldn't get them in person, but we've got uh, snippets from some of the chats we've done from them. Fantastic. Uh, some exclusive uh, sort of interviews with them. But yeah, Frank, Lee, Malcolm and David Kelly, will, they'll all be there in person to, to have a chat with the audience and uh, sign some books as well. Absolutely brilliant. So tickets are £25. You can get them direct from the Whitley Bay Playhouse. It's a cracking venue. I was down there the other week to see uh, Ian Lafrenia um, talk about the likely lads. So uh, get yourself down there. Uh, wonderful, wonderful venue. Friday the 24th of November, 7.30, Playhouse Whitley Bay. Tickets £25. Okay. Thank you. Back to the book. Um, and yeah. um, we were talking about um, Colicini, uh there. Let's talk about another man who made a a big splash in the back four and midfield, um, Barry Venison. And, and he was there in the very early days of the entertainers, Barry. Yeah, he was talking to me about, you know, I think he brought a lot of stability to that side. There was a lot of flair, um, but he was one of the guys, probably more, one of the more important, um, one, one of the more important players and unsung heroes because he brought, he brought a bit of stability. He said that you'd often just see everyone streaming forward and look around him and he'd be the only one defending. <laughs> Um, but that's why he was. That's why he was bought. He was bought to add that stability and had a bit of experience and leadership with his, uh, his time at Liverpool. And boy, did he bring it! And really good guy. I uh, did the interview with him. We did that one over the phone. He didn't really want to do it on Zoom. And I find that phone interviews are a little trickier to do. Kind of harder to make that connection. But he was a very warm guy. Uh, he talked to me about you know the, the, was it uh, the goal he scored from about thirty yards half volley spoke to me through all of that and my, the main question I had was about the haircut to be honest that's what I wanted I wanted to find out about his hair and talk to him a bit about that and he said that what I thought was really fascinating was he, he he kept it like he did because he used to get abuse for it and he loved it it's a bit like when you see Aaron Ramsdale playing goal for Arsenal and you can see that he feeds off of the banter from the crowd right I think there are several players like that Ramsdale's the first one that comes to mind but that's what he used to do. So he'd play and he'd get all these people shouting stuff at him and he would fire him up. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to say. And he said the same thing about his clothes too. He used to wear all kind of brightly coloured polka dot things because it used to make him feel like he stood out and it would attract the attention. And then that would make him, uh, it would give him that sort of that spur him on to play better, which I thought was really, really interesting. And he, he was one of the last interviews I did. A uh, really, really good guy. Really, I mean, I don't know if you spoke, you spoken to him, Steve, before. Yeah, we, um, you know, we knew each other quite well, but obviously moved to the US and and we lost yeah. touch. But then over lockdown, um, I reached out and managed to get him onto the uh, onto this podcast. We interviewed him, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, great guy, a lot of really? stories, and I did ask him about the uh, the the big story, which uh, of course is uh, who uh, who cut killer kill Klein's hair. Um, <laughs> You've got to ask that question when you speak to Barry. Um, he's a cheeky chappy. Um, I think he had something to do with it, if you want me honest. <laughs> Jealousy, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he wants to be the only one. With, uh, yeah. <laughs> great stuff. All right. Well, that, that that makes it worth reading as well. Great, great story with uh, with Barry, I'm sure, and some great stuff. Lee Clark is another uh, friend of the show. We've had Lee on here many, many times on this platform. Always likes to jump on the podcast and give his opinion. Um, and spends a lot of time watching his son, Bobby, now at Liverpool, of course. Yeah. Uh, but Lee Nash, as he was affectionately known in the dressing room, 
didn't just have one spell at the club. He had two spells at the club. Uh, so um, interested to know what you spoke to Lee about. I bet he's got lots of memories of, of favourite games. He does, yeah. I mean, the, the one he picked out was the game against Leicester. Uh, the year that got promoted, and you know, he got he got a hat trick of a hat trick of assists that game, and just said it was you know the game that everything came together for them. Uh, Kevin wanted them to go out and put on a show for the St James's faithful, and that's exactly what happened. You know, amazing performance was it six one at half time or something ridiculous like that. So that was great talking to him about that. He he had full of memories of that day. Um, but one of the more interesting things to talk about with me with him was the fact that he went from the terraces. To, you know, to the pitch, you know, this is a supporter who, who achieved every fan's dream by, by working his way up to the Newcastle United first team. And he took, taught me through the whole, the whole, that whole journey was, was really interesting from, I think he was, he said he was playing for his, uh, his school team, which was, you know, an 11, under 11 side. He was playing when he was something like six or seven. <laughs> and they yeah. used to have to put his name down on the team sheet. Uh, as someone else, so you know, so they didn't give away that he was this little kind of kid in year two or three, and you know just his journey from there to 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 to, to the first team was was amazing. The fact that he used to because uh, he didn't have a driving license, he used to have to get the bus to games when he was playing. So you can imagine, you know, all right, Lee, where are you going? St <laughs> James's, please. And then he he and then on the bus on the way home if he had a, if he had a good game the bus driver might let him on for free although that was quite cool as well <laughs> really good guy talk talk me through the uh, the infamous Wembley uh, debacle with the with the t shirt which actually he was quite happy to talk about I thought he might uh, close up a bit on that but no he was really open about it and it you know even though it might be sl- a slightly awkward situation it, I think it's almost endeared him more to Newcastle United fans for doing that you know. What, what guy <laughs> great stories uh lee's a top man yeah we've had we've yeah. shared quite a few quite a few on here couple more players to, to talk about um this this man is infamous amongst our older fan base of yeah. course um frank clark is my father my father knows frank clark it's you know a song that used to echo around the terraces and um yeah frank i mean i think for, for me the, the, the turning turn point in his career was when newcastle said he wasn't good enough released him and he went on to win two european cups under cluffy at forest and uh, yeah. the league. but uh, i mean still he had a great career at newcastle uh, frank clark and he's still you know he's still a legend up here still welcomed and of course as we mentioned in the ads you know we've got we've got uh, an event up here on the 7th of december uh, at the irish club with gibbo so it shows you that he's still very popular on tyneside so i'm sure he had Lots of great stuff to, to give you. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, he's the club's, I think it's the fourth highest appearance maker of all time, something like that. So, you know, real, you're talking real legendary status there. And yeah, he did go on and he did get kind of kicked out and then went to prove, went on to prove the club wrong by winning the European Cup. Which also happened to Alan Kennedy and other players we spoke to when he went and uh, went to Liverpool and scored the winning goal in the European Cup final. Um, Frank was brilliant. Again, full of memories. Uh, he talked to me about, you know, he used to go and watch Newcastle every week. He used to go and watch Jackie Milburn. You know, he was talking to me about watching, you know, one of the greatest players, you know, in the English game of all time. Uh, that was really magical talking to him about that. And he, he obviously he played in the first cup final along with Bobby Monker, who we spoke to as well. And he told me that he he valued his Fairs Cup win as much as these European Cup wins. And I thought that was quite nice as well. He kind of puts them on an equal 
level, which I wasn't, you know, I was quite surprised at that because obviously the European Cup's a European Cup. <laughs> um, but I think he really does value his time at, at Newcastle and he is such a legend, you know, e- even though he's got this association with Forrest now, I think he still lives around Not- around the Nottingham area, but he's he's a Newcastle legend as well. And so we, we, he was a must for the book, really. He was, a, he was a real must and brilliant to talk to. I just love these guys' memories, how, how much they can recall from these games there were some players you know barry venison he couldn't remember anything <laughs> you know he's like oh, i'm struggling to remember that game frank clark's talking about games in the 60s <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely incredible i'm sure you know i'm sure he'll be fantastic at your event uh, i know you've done a couple of things with him haven't you and i'm, I'm yeah. sure he'll be brilliant, brilliant at ours as well and i want to i want to ask him if you can remember that malcolm mcdonald story as well when uh super mac woke up on the on the physio's table <laughs> Yeah, great stuff. Uh, Alan Kennedy, then you mentioned him, you know, went on to uh, to European glory as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, fond recollections of his time on Tyneside. Well, he was really interesting because his interview was different to everyone else's. And the reason was because it, the whole thing felt like it was quite, I'm not going to say negative, but he obviously enjoyed his time there. But he had a lot, a lot to say about, about the board at that time. And he was pretty scathing about them, never about the fans or anything like that. He was really, you know, he talked about uh, the game that he, he, he did was the, the cup final loss against Liverpool. And although it's laced with negativity because of the fact that the team just didn't show up, he talks a lot about the fans and how the fans were mixing with the Liverpool fans and there was no trouble and all that kind of stuff. So that was, that was nice. But yeah, he was really, you know, saying that knew the club at that point were just out to, out to make money, uh, you know, out to sell sell their best players, and that's what they kind of did with players like Super Mac and with him, where they were looking to nurture the players, bring them on, and then make a profit for them, and and that's obviously what what they were doing at the time. And it's a bit it's a bit of a shame, really. So he, he does have that slight uh, di- different uh, different flavour yeah. to his interview. But but you know that that for me that was no problem. I kind of got to the end of it and thought. Well, that was really, really different. It was very, you know, he was, he was a bit uh, dour for quite a lot of it. But that, do you know what? That's that. That's it's really interesting because it gives a whole different perspective on that time. And I think things were quite negative then. Uh, you know, he was saying things about how the fans weren't given what they deserved. With you know, they, he thought that the board just weren't that interested in winning things. And you know, they got to two cup finals, got to the league cup final as well against uh, Man City, which they lost. And he felt that he felt that. The board felt that was good enough, and he didn't. He wanted more. He wanted to be sort of pushed and to to feel like he was at a club that was 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 trying to push on. And obviously, that was the state of the club and at, the, at that point. Um, so that was really that was a really interesting eye opening interview. Actually, another really good guy who had plenty plenty good stuff to say about the city and the fans, but yeah, the board at the time he was not happy with. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, Bob Moncur, Newcastle United legend, uh, skipper yeah. of the 69 Fairs Cup winning team. And uh, yeah, still still an icon at the club today and still working at the club today. You know, entertains players coming in, club ambassador, if you like. But uh, Bob Moncur, what, what a great name to have attached to uh, to Newcastle United match in my life. What, what, a, what a guy. Uh, he, again, I went to his house in Gateshead and sat down with him and his wife. I took him a slice of cake. I did a bit of baking with my son. So I was like, he, he, you know, I'm not paying anyone to do these. So I just thought, you know, I've got to sweeten him a little bit, show him that I appreciate it. So I turned up with a couple of slices of uh, Victoria sponge, 
and we had, we had them over a cup of tea and he was great. Just chatting to him in his living room was very surreal. And he still had his shirt from the game, from the cup final in 69. So he got that out and showed me that. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And again, just full, full of stories. Everything he said, everything he said was a, was a line pretty much for me. It was just absolutely mesmerizing to him talk about just, just the names he talked about, whether it was like Brian Clough or Jackie Charlton or Matt Busby, you know, to be in the presence of someone who's got these sorts of associations was just was just phenomenal. And um, some of the stories you may know, there's a story of him when they came home with the Fairs Cup and they did a uh, victory parade and they basically had a, uh, a double-decker bus with the roof cut off it and they stood on like a wooden table on the bus kind of going around and he had the trophy, you know. And then they went under a bridge and there was a low hanging electrical wire and the cup kind of touched it and sent an electric shot, a shot through him. And if it wasn't for the wooden table underneath, it probably would have killed him because the wooden, wow. obviously the wood stopped the flow of the electricity. And he could and took the cup down. And there was a big black mark from where the, uh, from where the, <laughs> from where yeah. the cup had, uh, had touched the electrical wires. So I thought that was like absolutely a brilliant story. Uh, you know, obviously scoring three goals across the, Across the um, across the two-legged final, talking to me about that, and again, he can remember so much of those games um, and the aftermath. He's got a little mini Fairs Cup, which has kind of got a few uh, dents in it, and he showed it to me. I was like, "Oh, what are these?" And he said, "Oh, yes, yeah, because my kids used to use that as a post when they were playing football in the living room." <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Again, really good guy. Uh, talked about signing for Sunderland and how that went. Now. He did like a live, did a live signing on TV, didn't he? And felt he got a little bit stitched up, stitched up with that. <laughs> and um, discovering Peter Beardsley when he was uh, manager of Carlisle, he said that he you know, found Peter Beardsley. Scouts found him, brought him over, and uh, he was trying to get the signing of Peter Beardsley past uh, the Carlisle board. And he had to really work for them to pay another professional player. And at that point, what they did was they would have to find lodgings for them. So in this meeting of the board, someone, one of the board members said, where's he going to live? He's got nowhere to live. We're not going to pay for him to live somewhere. And he was like, oh, God, what am I going to... Oh, he can live with me. He can live with me. And so <laughs> he went home that night and uh, his wife, Camille, said, oh, how, how, did the, how did the board meeting go? And he went, yeah, it went well. We've got a lodger. <laughs> Peter Beardsley came and lived with him for like a year. <laughs> Just like absolutely... Just phenomenal. Just literally story after story where I'm just sitting there, just my eyes lighting up with these amazing, amazing tales. So he was a, you know, he was a brilliant guy to get involved in. Um, really loved speaking to him. Um, and obviously these are just the guys I've spoken to, all the ones we're talking to. Obviously my, my colleague Alex has done another nine as well. So he he got to do the, uh, he, he said he'd take Shearer. He did Shearer. Uh, I'm just looking at the list that you sent us. You, you, you got the big guns. You got Alan Shearer. You got Dan Byrne. Yeah. Nob Nobby Solano. Shea Given. Tamuri Katsbaya. Rob Lee. I, uh, no, I, got, I got Rob Lee. I got Rob Lee. I didn't. Oh, you got Rob Lee. Okay. So <laughs> tell us. Tell us. Did he do Stephen Taylor and Nikos Dabizaz as well? He did. Yeah. I mean, tell us. To, the, to be fair, he had a kind of a relationship with some of them already. So he did know, so for example, he knows Shea Given, I think, through TalkSport. And he's met Shearer a few times doing the media thing. He did Shearer in Portugal on a golf course. Uh, I didn't get anything like that. 
So he was in Villamora and um, Shearer was over there at the same time. So he did him during, uh, before a round of golf. Uh, that was quite good. Very and nice. he, knows, he knows Dan Byrne from his Brighton days as well because Alex still works on the South Coast, still covers Brighton. So you know, he, he, know, he knew Dan a bit, so he, he did him, even though I offered. But yeah, Shearer obviously was the guy we had to get. And uh, we had to do a, fair, a bit, bit of chasing to get him, but eventually we did. And he was brilliant. Came, again, came out with some really interesting uh, lines as well about, about about his time at the club and a couple of things which I think are, are new as well. So that would be a good, a good thing for, hopefully, for people to read and find out about in the book. The Peter Beardsley story is interesting as well because whenever I do a talk in with Peter, Peter always recalls his time living with um, Bob and Camille, you know, so it's a, it's, it's, an, it's a really interesting story that, like, so I'm looking forward to reading the, uh, the flip yeah. side of it. Uh, but Rob Lee, uh, again, uh, somebody we, uh, we work with on a regular basis on the after dinner circuit, um, uh, the, uh, the only man um, in recent times to score a goal at Wembley for Newcastle, hopefully that's going to end soon, but um, yeah. which, game, which game did Rob pick out? So he picked out, he picked out the return to Europe UEFA Cup, the five ah. Royal Antwerp hat-trick of headers. So that was that was really good. There was lots of things we could talk about around that. And obviously it's quite uh it's quite current as well, what with Newcastle making another similar return this season to Champions League. That was excellent talking to him about that. And he 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 obviously spoke in detail about the game, spoke a lot about Pavel Cernicek, who had a great game actually, that game. A lot of people probably don't remember it because you know, Rob Lee scored a hat-trick header, so he gets all plaudits. But, you know, Pav had a great game then. He had loads of good good stuff to say about Pav. Um, and he talked about... He did talk about Wembley as well. He talked about the game against Chelsea. He scored, didn't he, the 2-1. And felt like whoever won that would have won the FA Cup. And so it so it turned out because, you know, they went on to beat Villa in the final, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he talked about the, the two Wembley losses against Arsenal. And what was interesting about that was I didn't realise was that uh, obviously the opposing captain was Tony Adams. So Rob Lee's captaining the tune and Tony Adams is captaining Arsenal. I didn't realise they used to go to, they used to go toe to toe in the same Sunday league, like back when they were back when they were little. They're from the same part of London. And he was saying that oh, he used to know Tony from from back in the youth game. So it kind of again coming full circle, going all the way from being you know. 16, probably younger than that, I mean, 15, 16, playing for their youth teams to all the way up to the, you know, the FA Cup final, the biggest domestic game in in in, in football, really. And uh, yeah, so that, that was really good. And he was, again, very, very honest, really, really open man, as you all know, full of stories, cracking guy, just brilliant. And to talk to him about his time at the club and signing and his, his love for Kevin Keegan, you know, the fact he had Kevin Keegan's posters on his wall when he was little and then you know, Kevin Keegan's going out of his way to to sign him from Charlton. It's brilliant. Again, full of great tales. Great stuff. Uh, Newcastle United, Match of My Life by Alex Crook and Jake Rusby. It's uh, it's coming out when? So it's coming out in about four weeks. It's end of, end of October. I think it's 23rd. It'll be out. Uh, available to pre-order on Amazon and all the other usual places. It'll be uh, an ebook as well. I'd love for it to be. Someone asked me if it would be an audiobook, but if it was going to be an audiobook, I think I'd need the players because it's all it's all written in the first person. It's all first person interviews, so really you'd need the players doing it, and that might be a bit tricky to do. Unless I can get someone who's you can do impressions and they can do you know each you know, each single player do them uh, saying it. I don't think it will work so much as an audiobook, but yeah, it should be it should be really uh, really interesting. I really I really hope uh, that Newcastle fans enjoy it. I've certainly 
loved putting it together. And for me, it's not like it hasn't been. It's, it's never been a oh, let, you know, it's never been a money making thing or anything because you don't make a lot from writing books. Uh, you probably aware of <laughs> Steve. It's not. A, yes. It's not. It's not the sort of thing you get into for the money. For me, it was just do you know what I. I really wanted a project, a football based project, to work on, and it just it, it's something that came to me when I was hungover. And the fact it's got to this point where you know I've seen the full manuscript and it's nearly nearly in my hand. It's just, uh, yeah, it feels, it feels incredible. Fantastic. And let's remember that there is an event coming up as well. Toon Legends are going to discuss their favourite games and lift the lid on St James's Park life. Uh, Friday the 24th of November, 7.30, Whitney Bay Playhouse. Tickets are £25, uh, direct from the theatre. And it's hosted by TalkSport, Sam Matterface and Alex Krupp. There will be an audience Q&A, uh, Match of My Life book signing. And there'll be live appearances from Lee Clark, David Kelly, Frank Clark and Malcolm MacDonald. Uh, and there'll be interviews uh, from Dan Byrne, Jonas, Les and Pavis. So uh, get yourself along to that. It's going to be a cracking event. And don't forget to pre-order the book and Newcastle United at Match My Life. Just as Europe get another point in the bag, nine and a half, two and a half to Europe uh, in the Ryder Cup. Uh, a good afternoon this afternoon, and we could have the Ryder Cup in our hands by tonight. Never been known. Uh, Jake, absolutely fantastic to get you on, mate. Very best of luck with the book and uh, look forward to seeing you at the event, mate. I just need a quick prediction. Uh, from you for today's game because Newcastle taking on Burnley at St James's Park. Um, what's your what's your prediction for today's game, mate? Home win. It's going to be. It's going to be a. a I mean, I, I just think they've turned the corner now. I think it was a obviously a bit of a slow start, but teams have slow starts. Uh, I think that's the way it goes. And you know, coming off the last few games, the eight nil, you know, a point in the sand, zero, fantastic. I just think that they've got the uh, got the impetus now. I think they'll they'll go. I think three 0 home win. Great stuff. That's what I've gone for, mate. That's what I've okay. gone for. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, let's hope we're right. Great to have okay. you on, mate. Uh, best of luck with the book. Best of luck with the event. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Right. Thank care, you so mate. much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Take care, mate. Bye bye. Thanks.